0: Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Osiris.
1: Hey, this is Oteil. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to Patreon.com/ComesATimePod forward and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. What's up? Welcome back to another
2: episode of Comes a Time. I'm Mike. I'm Oteal. We have a very special guest this week, uh, Alex Peavy, who is a mindfulness coach for VCU uh, men's basketball, uh, listens to the podcast, and he reached out to us, and uh, we're happy to have him on today.
1: Yeah, this was really a special one. Uh, He's a Patreon subscriber and uh, wrote us that he is battling terminal cancer, and uh, he's actually lived... Far past the time that they gave him, yeah, and uh, but his story was just really heavy, and he it just was so heartfelt, you know he said it, that the podcast had been a real source of refuge for him as he's going through obviously the toughest thing you could go through, and he's got two kids and a uh wife, lovely family, so we just invited him to like talk, you know, like hang out. And then on a a Patreon episode, on a Patreon episode, and it was so good. I was like, Man, if you wouldn't mind, I I really think we should put this out because it's certain I certainly got a lot out of it. And in these pandemic times where people are actually being forced to face themselves and harder things and whatever, there's just really incredibly powerful lessons that I got from it. And mm-hmm. I know you did too, Mike, and we thought all of you would as well. So.
2: Right. And you know, one thing about this podcast to kind of, you know, pull back the curtain a bit is like, you know, we are having the people on that we want to talk to. And that's the only reason why we're having them on. I mean, it might be, some people may be more popular. Some people may get more listens or whatever. We're doing this but like the minute that we finished this one, we were like, we have to release this to the, you know, on a, as a regular episode. And uh, thank you, Alex, for being yeah. so open. I mean, this was, uh, I don't, our, my, our, it was really, really beautiful. And and we hope that you all enjoy it as much as we did. So thank you to Alex and thank you to everyone who listens. And uh, thank you to Osiris for having us as part of your network. We're here, uh, check out OsirisPod.com for all the amazing episodes and join us over at Patreon at Patreon.com slash comes a time pod for um a lot of amazing moments and wormholes that we leave for you to fall into so uh thank you again enjoy good to meet you Alex
3: it's good to meet you guys i appreciate uh you taking the time to talk
2: oh yeah of course dude absolutely i like that cool jerry in the back that's one of my favorites which one? Oh, the, the over uh, your shoulder, that kind of crinkle, crinkled face, Jerry. Yes, yes, beardless, beardless Jerry from the from the Absolutely. good eye. <laughs> yeah, Get surrounded by all the right ones,
3: right? Yeah, totally. Um, right. Well, man, I appreciate you guys letting me do this. It's an honor just to speak to all of you guys because it's been a joy to listen to your all's podcasts, and obviously uh, before that, the music
1: as well. Yeah, the, the honor is ours man yeah man we totally pretty touched when we uh got your message oh
3: yeah. uh, well i mean it i mean it it was interesting because i think uh like i think you had said at some point that you know was it alan watson ramdas you said you listened to it uh so often and you used the word i think refuge and that's what just resonated with me because i with what i've uh you know, gone through with the, from the cancer front for the last four years. um, That's what I found myself doing to fall asleep at night. And I'd start out listening consciously and then probably subconsciously. And then who knows what uh, my wife's heard every Ram Dass and Alan Watts. It's on YouTube at this point. But, uh, and that's where it shifted too, is when we got into the pandemic and you guys got going with this podcast, I found myself, listening to it fully once and then finding myself finding that refuge and listening to it to fall asleep as well. So it's not, and I mean that as a compliment because you listen to it the first time through to take it in consciously. Wow.
2: That's that's I I know exactly what you mean by it's a compliment to fall asleep to something because anything that, that shushes the noise Mm -hmm is is uh amazing but thank god that's such a that's the nicest thing i mean really that's mission yeah. accomplished you know and yeah. it is
1: for I me mean, to i i listen to a lot of pod, you know they're like three hours sometimes podcasts, so I just routinely fall asleep on stuff. And, and I go back and w- figure, like, where did I fall asleep? Just, oh, just listen to the whole thing again. You know? <laughs> yeah. Ter-
2: Terrence McKenna does that to me. He's got that cadence of his voice, <laughs> and it's just like, it rocks you. Yeah.
1: Right. yeah. Although McKenna will wake me up sometimes. I'm like, what did he say? Yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> you know, just like, what no, singularity. Right? All, all of a sudden, you're just sitting up. Boing, you're just, like, <laughs> up in bed. Like, where? how did I get here? Alex, I'd like to ask you when it comes to listening to the old Ramdas uh, chats and stuff on the, it's similar to me to that, why I love listening to a baseball game Mm -hmm. where it's like, there's that ambient kind of undertone hiss Mm -hmm. and you could hear the chatter in the crowd and you could hear, and, and it almost is like, to me, it's like, I feel that feeling of being on a hammock or something.
3: Absolutely. It it it's almost I don't know the word like analog or something that makes it so raw. Same reason you like listening to vinyl, right? So, it I found that you know Alan Watts seems to have. I guess it's the real to real stuff, but always has that swirling like. Yes.
2: Yes. Totally. (laughs)
3: Yeah. It's that background noise underneath it all, and that's the interesting part. Or if there is some noise from the audience that's unintentional and the interplay that either does or doesn't happen there. But it is it's incredible because you can just like pull up whatever topic it is and just push play. And it and it's it, it, it resonates with whatever occurred in your day, regardless of whatever occurred in your day.
2: Yeah. You know, I think the thing that's so neat is of all the stuff that was said on the podcast so far that's what resonated with you was just talking about listening to Ram Dass to fall asleep during the pandemic.
0: You <laughs> well, never and, know
2: what the hell's going to, you know what I mean? But that's just so great because it's like, you know, exactly what that, you know, what that's like, you know, you well,
3: know. And and it's and I'm sure some would be like, that's the most backwards compliment you've ever had that, no, oh, I fall asleep to this, but it is, it's, I take it in. <laughs> first, as I said, I take it in during the day and just listen, but the, the nighttime becomes that cadence that allows me to drift off. Cause it's when I listen to music and I love music, but I, I find myself listening to music and then I stay up for it and I don't want to miss something. And, and whether it's lyrically or musically, whereas with the conversation, I can tune in and tune back out and, and drift off and it, uh, and, and, and it, it, it is just refuge and it's, I say that as a, you know, as a meditation teacher, it's been my primary thing I've done. And, and it's funny because I, I know it took me a while to get used to people thanking me for putting them to sleep because it's through the meditation, because a, re- a lot of people think they're doing meditation wrong when that happens. And I'm like, no, that's, that's just what your body needed. And, and so it's like listening to you guys is what the mind and heart needs. And then when I fall asleep, it just happens to be what the body needs.
1: That's great. That really is the best, man, because we we started that podcast, this podcast, to be that, you know? (laughs) Like, it's a spiritually, uh, it's a spiritual reason. Like, we're going to have this cat, Stanley Krippner on, Mm -hmm. and uh, he has what's the book called? The Varieties of Anomalous Experience. But it's just people that have these spiritual experiences or any kind of anomalous experiences. And he said a lot of the reason he did it is because he didn't want people to pathologize their experience. He didn't want them to think they're crazy. So he he put it out there just to, to provide a refuge. He's like, if you're having, you know weird experiences (laughs) you're not necessarily crazy you know like yeah he just been providing that kind of refuge and i thought god this is a guy i really want to have on you know so for you to say that it's just like oh it's such a bullseye for us and we've um you know, there's so many podcasts, millions of podcasts. You're like, what, are we just like Two uh, here stroking our own egos or what? You know, who cares what we think, blah, blah, blah. But that's not the aim we went into. It. We went into it really for that. Like, so to cool. hear that from you, I just can't even tell you what it means, man. You know? Well,
3: it's kind to hear you say that. And it, it truly, it's um... – you know, it, it, it's funny you talk about the crazy part because it's the thing from having this cancer experience, which is a terminal one, but I'm not planning on that. I mean, we're all terminal, right? So it's yeah, all relative, it, yeah. but the, uh, it, it, you know, I wasn't supposed to make it through a weekend and now we're literally into just crossing the year four. And uh, wow. the, yeah. what I've found in the midst of like this proximity to, death you know we're always close to it but when it gets put right in your face and you're like oh you might not make it through the weekend you might not make it the week okay then one year all right another year and and so in this time of having that experience even though like i've meditated across my entire life this has taken it to that kind of that other level of consciousness that makes me realize quite often as and again i've worked as a counselor as well and i say this and with great compassion is the crazy people are the same ones. Right. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the re- re- theme that keeps getting repeated here in the sense that with heightened awareness, you have, uh, you, you see other things and experience things that others don't, but that's not in a, a superior or inferior way. It's just a, it's just a kind of a vertical experience across timeline rather than a linear one, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, how could you help it, man? If someone, tells you you don't have long to live you're gonna notice a lot of things that mm-hmm. the average joe that's just you know just kind of being pushed through life like by life it's just it's yeah. a different trip my ex-wife's mother battled cancer for like nine years and they, they gave her like a very short time and she went far past it wow. and uh and I was there for all nine years of it. It was a trip, you mm-hmm. know, and it really um it did it it uh it changed everything for all of us mm-hmm. you know and uh because you're seeing it you're seeing things through her eyes and uh it definitely brought more gravity to, i mean you know it can't help it yeah, it
3: would um, make the it, it brings the sacred out of everything. If you allow it to, it, it can be an absolute grind or it can be a yeah. beautiful experience. It doesn't mean there aren't hard days. And that's where it's this. Um, I always kind of, I call it like the, the blessing of cancer. I mean, obviously there's all these horrible things that come with it, but the clarity that comes with it is yeah. the ultimate blessing. And that's what you would not wish upon anyone in regards to how to get there, but you would hope something like uh what we're all going through with the pandemic and everything else under the moon right now that that would bring clarity to more and that would you would hope would happen at a higher rate than it is but but that's what I think these things are they they're all just opportunities for in you know increasing consciousness and finding greater clarity not not what's right but clarity you know what i mean
1: yeah for sure and
2: having the uh Having the um practice of meditation so such a being such a huge part of your life when you found out your your you know diagnosis, did you feel like you know kind of maybe in retrospect that you have kind of um a tool that maybe others don't i mean the fact that you are already experiencing that transcendence and that peace um did that help you in the initial? You know, kind of, you know, digestion of it all.
3: It did. I mean, it it almost in a, a surreal, like, like powerful. Oh, like this is why type way. You know, and and because I, I came into meditation just through uh, a trip I did out west when I was like fifteen, and then I read a book by Phil Jackson at the same time, and and that book was Sacred Hoops is all about you know how he brought mindfulness to the bull. George Mumford and some other guys. And so like that planted this seed of where I'm like, oh, I want to med- I This sounds good. And I enjoyed the experience I had there. And so over those years, I kept doing my own practice. Then I started teaching it. So while I got diagnosed, I was teaching mindfulness uh, at a high school and teaching mindful leader. Mindfulness as a, as a just mental health skill. To all the freshmen, and then mindful leadership to the seniors of how do you turn this outward. First, how do you learn about it inside, and then when you're a senior in high school, how do you turn it outward? And so I was teaching this as this unfolded, and that was what was so crazy because, uh, yeah, I, 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 we didn't know what was happening. It started with an ER trip because my kidneys were failing, so it started there because the the lymph nodes were you know obstructing the kidneys. And so it was a Friday morning and, and the doctor just said, we still didn't know what was up because I was 39 at the time. And the doctor was just right. like, uh, I'll never forget. He came back in the room. First thing he said, and I had met this doctor. I'd done a bunch of blood tests and I didn't know who this was, but his first question was, do, do you have kids? And oh, oh, <laughs> I said, yes. And he said, I'm sorry. Oh, oh wow! And you know, I, there and I guess that's his moment of like full like compassion and empathy of experiencing it, but it was that's where I was like, wow, this just took another level of where we're going with this. And so I went home and my wife and I went to the ER and spent the weekend there. And then uh, uh, as as the weekend went on, my kidneys just continued to fail more. Uh, and then by Sunday night, it was like at 60% failure. So then we did surgeries Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And so to answer your question, like to, get there was so much rapid fire. We were just thrown right into it at the beginning. And then all of a sudden we just had the slam on the brakes where we're in the hospital together for a week. Uh, my wife and I, I mean, I Mm. I was patient, but she didn't leave, you know? And so, uh, and this is in 2017. So, uh, as we came out, when we left the hospital, we still didn't even know what the diagnosis was. But so we came back a few days later and that's where I, the, during everything. So this was a 10 day period between going into the ER and then finally coming out a week later and three days later, go back in for the prognosis diagnosis. And, um, during it, it felt like, being in the midst of a game you know you just everything is just happening and you're acting in the moment but when we my wife and i walked back down the hallway to go find you know you're looking at that office door up ahead of you
1: uh
3: and i uh at that moment one of my meditations that i've done almost my entire life is one where when i see the frame of a doorway as i'm walking what i do is i just ask myself Internally, I could—I don't stop and say, hey, I'm meditating. I'm just walking and you could be talking to me. I just ask myself, when I see the door frame. it's a reminder to me to be asking, what does my body feel right now? And if there's tension in the shoulders, my jaw is locked up in that moment, I take that inhale and then I exhale and then I feel my feet walking on the floor. And whenever I walk through the door, I imagine it almost clearing the last moment so it's Wow. full present in the next. And so that's a practice I've used like across my life and then used it a lot in counseling. Cause in counseling, you get a lot of heavy topics. So I'd have to kind of walk out and come back in anew, like a next person is the first person I've seen all day. Wow. So for that moment, it was, it hit me so hard. Cause I, it was almost like, this is why you've been doing this. It, I see the doorway and I'm like, I have to take the same breath I've been taking since I was 15 years old. This is the same thing I've been doing my whole life. And I and, and walked in, and yeah, we got the news and got the prognosis. And again, they said, okay, maybe a year. We'll see. It. And as we kept going, and I kept, so we keep pushing the outer limits, but it's the uh, perpetual opportunity to immerse yourself in the present that's ultimately like the outcome. Wow. And it's not always easy because the present sometimes sucks royally, and that's what you know. My wife certainly knows firsthand. But we we go through what sucks, and then we come out of what sucks, you know, mm. and we're, we're back. Um,
1: that's kind of more- like life is.
3: Yeah, it is. It, it, and that's and that's what I realized. What and that's what. Um, you know, one of my favorite—it's uh, an audio thing that I listened to—is uh, Pema Chodron, who did a talk on um, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and really just kind of her translation of it, for lack of better words, and talked about the the bardos and the idea of, uh, you know, when when one thing ends, there's a gap before something else begins, right? And that's a bardo, and so when somebody is born there's a bardo until they die that's a gap right life is a gap and then when you die there's a gap before you move on to the next thing and depending on your faith it goes in all directions of how that looks but the idea uh, of what her teaching that is so powerful uh, is, is just understanding that basically all the transitions we go through every single day whether it's a you know hitting that stoplight for the 15th time or whatever the thing is that's, that's really getting us or cancer or fill in the blank of whatever calamity. The, the transitions we face every single day are, if you can think about how you handle them, what I understand is that's how we will be as, as we handle the transition from this life to the next. Mm. So as you encounter transition after transition, it's not about not getting mad or not getting sad. It's the ability to recognize what you are becoming so that mm. you can settle into it, release it and have that peace of mind because the goal in the Bardo's is to, you know, enlightenment comes with that peace of mind upon the transition, but it's not aspirational. It's just an outcome because you're practicing this over and over and over. And it really hit me in the face. that. That thought that every yeah. transition of our day is a practice for our ultimate transition to so whatever that may
1: be, wow. whatever your belief there is. Wow, That's funny. Did you you, uh, you probably saw the the Bob Weir podcast mm-hmm. when he was talking about, hey man, I'm I'm getting ready to die. That's what you know. And I thought it was so. That was the probably the first like super huge profound moment. Mm -hmm. we had on the podcast because I thought that's something I've talked to so many people about that are struggling spiritually. Mm -hmm. They're like, how do you, and you know, I fail at it too. It's a great, it sounds great, but they're like, how do you deal with, you know, just life in general? And I said, I try to keep my death as close up in my face as I can Mm -hmm. because then you know, I will value the moments with my children more, with my wife more, with whatever, every moment, this Mm -hmm. moment, you know, and uh, it's really true. And that the older they get, I feel like kind of the better I become at it, especially a friend of mine Mm -hmm. lost his eight-year-old daughter to cancer. Mm -hmm. And it just, Mm -hmm. I was there, not there physically, but I was I remember when she was alive and then I knew she was battling it and then she lost the battle. And so, you know, immediately when you have children, like, if you think about that stuff with your own children, it just does this panic thing to you. You just have to banish the thought, you know? Yep. And, um, but I couldn't, you know, I, and I'm not, i think about them dying. I usually think about me dying more mm-hmm. Than them, But whichever way it goes, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it makes you take these moments and really, you know, my wife gets more, um, she's upset at the speed that he's growing.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: She's like, it's hurting me. And I said, you know, I'm 19 years older than her. And I'm like, I knew it was going to be fast. You hear all the cliches. Everybody warns you. And so I'm just like, just savor every single, you know.
3: It is so crazy how fast it is, and it doesn't. Yeah, be and you get there, and that's where you know I, you know, I think about again. For me, it was cancer. For each of us, we all have our own moment of catastrophe or plural catastrophes in our life, but all our opportunities for us to slow down, and that's what I really hope. While we can't slow down the, you know all of our children getting growing up, I just hope the general pace of life slows down so that that when we do grow up, we don't age ourselves by the pace we're going on a daily basis. And that's what I found with cancer when I tried to dive back into work initially. And I can't right now, right off the bat, when I tried to do it, um, I realized I couldn't get on that train so fast. It was like it's moving too fast for where I was in my body functioning and so i found a way of doing it part-time but the point being i was like man because of where my physiological threshold is at whatever 43 now like i feel when things are too fast and that shouldn't be a felt experience or if it is you would hope we'd all pull back Mm -hmm. and we're not we're ready to dive right back in as soon as whatever all this mess gets yeah you know like it yeah I I just don't want to, and I know you guys have talked about it, you know, the back to normal thing. No, we don't, that's not normal.
2: (laughs) We're we're driven. And as much as, yeah, as much as we talked about it and as much as I'm not going back fully, whatever, like I have three, three shows tomorrow, one, (laughs) one Wednesday, one Thursday, one Friday, two Saturday, and it's all traveling to Manhattan or casinos or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's, you're right though. And, and, there was something magical about 2020 when like you're, you're able to kind of the moment you experience during meditation, when you find that um, I used to have this recurring vision during certain meditations where I would keep taking things out of my pockets Mm -hmm. and I would keep sinking deeper and deeper into the water. So I could see the surface of the water and I could see the underneath of a boat and the sun kind of reflected it and as i let go of things i got deeper and i got further away from the sh- the boat and the you know and I, I that's one that's like tattooed on my memory and there i remember feeling that in certain ways during the beginning of the essentially a year ago now the very beginnings where i was just like there is nothing to do but be right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could drive myself. I could watch the news again. I can memorize more statistics and more numbers, but what's that going to do? You know, no, and it felt weirdly like a meditation.
3: That's so right. Yes. And it, 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 cause it's, it's ultimately a meditation is what's testing you now. Like what, yeah. what, is, what, or what is calling to your attention or whatever, you know, like what, and so where is your, it, you know, if meditation is the intention of our attention, what at this moment is calling to our attention
4: right? yeah so and yeah. that's
3: where you know in the dream it's the boat so it's the felt ex- experience of separation from it but in in this moment it's it's the felt experience of the kind of the uncertainty of what comes with the pandemic which is a lot of uncertainty which is interesting because again back to Pema children she talks about one of the keys for us to the path of these bardos or really any way of just having peace with passing when you get there is being able to meditate on groundlessness, you know, not, not just impermanence, which we know is inevitable, but that right now is even groundless, even if we, and that's where I think we've gotten away from, uh, you know, the fact that we are of nature, not separate from it. Right. Yeah. We, We, that, that I like, my house and we feel protected, but really something invisible can change the whole world in a short time. Meditate yeah. on that groundlessness. Right. That's,
2: yeah. How old are your, uh, how old are your children and what do you have? A boy and a girl. They're 10 and nine. They're, they're
3: 20 months apart. So uh, the goal was two to four years. And I think we had a conversation and then <laughs> they were 20 months apart. They're, they're awesome. They're, uh, uh, they are really sweet ones, Bodie and Jane. So big brother and little sister.
1: Oh man, that's great.
3: And they've they've been to the, I got them to you know the other thing that admittedly that um, uh, cancer expedited my desire to make sure they come to some concerts if they have interest in it, and we uh, got the headsets. But they've they've gotten to at least. I think at least one dead and company down in Raleigh a couple years ago, they were up in the nice. with, with their headphones, you know, sitting in the family section of the, whatever that they have those now apparently. But uh, so mm-hmm. it's been fun taking them out and seeing the world through their eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man.
1: Man. That's great. I have, a, we got the, we got the little pink headphones for Kavi and the blue ones for Nigel. <laughs> the little, <laughs> <laughs> runway <laughs> <Yep. laughs> no
3: they love it they eat it up and they they it's kind of like being at the beach they go a while they crash and they're back up again and it's uh they, they, but they just love it. it's kind of like everybody else there sometimes too but yeah it's the, uh, um just the pure joy and the fun of it and, and having them uh
2: right now at least enjoy the music their parents do has been really fun <laughs> that's awesome have you um did you find yourself during, you know, obviously with the pandemic we were all kind of, you know, uh forced to stay in and all of that. Did you find yourself listening to anything musically in particular that uh brought you peace and brought you some some smiles or tears? Well, yes, all of the above is right. I mean, I I
3: it was interesting to see who would like pepper out the um the streams and stuff. So I did like the tedeschi trucks most recent series of streams right and things like that but early on you know I, I think a lot of acoustic stuff to be honest just to bring it so like whatever it is we we listen to everything here from you know you can name your jam bands of dead and fish and almond brothers and go down the list but it was like okay let's do the acoustic of everything let's mm. bring it down a notch and yeah <laughs> and then also we found a lot more like just being more intentional and there's always music playing in our house. It never really stops. And so being more intentional about what's playing when, and being aware of how it impacts the energy of our kids, you know, um, bringing them up, bringing them down. It's, you know, same thing you can do to a crowd. (laughs) So it's like, it's it's mind control in the house with our music. But I, I'd say uh, what my wife and I've done really throughout cancer a good bit is having fun with some tunes, like, some Dylan stuff or whatever that, that we then create our own story out of, you know, we'll listen to a song and then we'll elaborate on the characters in our oh, own. Book. That's awesome. That's cool. I mean, cause I mean, for a while we're sitting around not going anywhere, especially with the cancer thing, we didn't know what, comorbidity <laughs> was there. So when we find ourselves sitting around, we do, well she entertains me by enjoying doing things like that but in what we do in the hospital like that pick out tunes or pick out a whole show and just listen to like that yeah. we've been to and kind of revisit that show oh, mm.
4: did you did You with- end up on the bus what's, what's that you, what's what? your story how did you end up on the bus
3: gosh well i was i grew up i moved around all over the place but i grew up in charlottesville and the first encounter was well i first heard it when a buddy of mine who's older he's 10 years older has a band and uh the the blue dogs that still play with they played uh uh cumberland blues it was the first time i ever heard uh any dead song and it was bluegrass and i was just like what was that Cause I was 10 and i was just i was in and, and hearing them do the harmonies because it's two of them and uh in an the upright bass and acoustic and then they started showing me some more but ultimately my first in-person experience was uh, in '93. Was uh, Jerry Garcia band with Melvin? which Just sounds so good at the Richmond Coliseum, and it, it was right around that double live album stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, yeah, so good. So that was that was my first ride on the bus, and then you
1: must have had a lot of early Dave then, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, because he played like uh, every Tuesday, I guess, at the mm-hmm. local kind of tracks was the name of the place Tracks,
1: that's where aru played yes yes. all the time the tracks (laughs) yes yes
3: lots of aru lots and tell you guys in richmond and innsbruck and uh, all good and so but yeah so charlottesville kind of started growing because i guess corn capsule and everything with dave just the music's there really just started growing as you know and and really kind of a a wide range of music too Um, um, and so it, and I ended up going to Virginia as well. I, we went away and I lived in Alabama for four years and came back. That was an experience. And, uh, that time, cause it was such a cultural change for me from where I was in
1: Charlottesville. So what I came part, back. What part of Alabama? I lived in Birmingham for 18 years. Oh,
3: wow. We, uh, we were at Tuscaloosa. My dad worked uh.
1: at,
3: <laughs> yeah, my dad worked at the university. So we were like, everything we did was about the university.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's different than Charlottesville, Virginia. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. Are
2: you still Are you still teaching your leadership courses? I'm not now.
3: I, I I was, and then when kind of cancer hit, and I got off that kind of, as I said, the train. It was just too. I couldn't keep up as a counselor. I felt kind of. I didn't want to be negligent of because my big issue is I don't know what day I'm going to be feeling like what every day is different. Oh yeah. So I stepped away from school. And right when I did that, one of my good buddies who I, I, I was also, I coached college basketball before going into counseling and Mike Rhodes, who's the head coach at VCU when I stepped away from the counseling job and he and I went to grad school 20 years ago and he's like, Hey, let's, let's do, let's work together. Like we've never, we've been friends, but we've never worked together. So he's like, you bring this mindfulness stuff down to our guys and let's use you as the sports psychology side of this thing. So that's what I've been able to do for uh, really since almost three-fourths of the time with cancer, Um, but but then the pandemic hit. And and, uh, so that when I had last March, actually it's crazy because we were at the Barclays Center that week. You guys were at Madison Square Garden Um, that Tuesday. Oh, yeah, in March. yeah the yeah. Almond brothers thing and uh i almost went to that but i i literally made the choice not to due to my cancer situation i'm like um i'm like i don't know what this pandemic is but i know i don't want to flirt with yeah right. yeah New man, York i was City so too. close yeah. to hopping in a cab because we didn't play till thursday and so but what was weird for us was they uh so we it was the a10 tournament and um so they decided no fans at all. We were supposed to play at noon that Thursday and we get to the arena and uh, at Barclays and it's, it's blacked out like a concert. So all you could see was the stage, everything around you was just darkness. So it looked like we are playing basketball in the outer space because no one was there. Yeah. And uh, one minute before tip off, they, they pull us off the court and send us to the hotel and they're like, find a charter flight home. Um, it's all <laughs> shutting down. And and so like fourteen conferences closed at once right around then you know and so we're fortunate that we fly charter but everybody needed a charter at once but that was the that was that week of that I always think of that Allman Brothers show and then then I guess the Big East played a half at MSG that morning yes they
2: did yeah
3: we shut it down literally we were lining up for tip off and they said nope we're wow. get out of here. Um, but because of that, then I kind of um, had to step back because I was just doing Zoom. And then I had to reoccur. Or, cancer has never gone away. My cancer created a new cancer inside of my old cancer. So I had to go back to chemo. <laughs> oh. So in the middle of the pandemic, I had to go into chemo and had no immune system. Oh I was like, God. oh, this is an interesting meditation.
1: Yeah, huh? Yeah. It's a good thing you didn't come to that brother show. As you know, pretty much everyone us got, got it. it huh? Yeah, man, that's what guys. I
3: heard. That's, that's, I hated to hear that, knowing that it was such a great night. I mean, it sound, I watched it on my laptop in my hotel room from down the street, it felt like. But, <laughs> man, I'm glad everybody's okay in the long run from it. But, I, yeah, yeah a lot of you guys took it back, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, and some of my friends were really walloped by it. Mm-hmm. And then some of them, like Stacey Morantz, our ticketing lady, She was with close, super close contact to all the people that had it. Hugs, the whole nine. You know, it was that Love Rocks thing at the Beacon the next night. A bunch of those people were at our show. And then they, you know, Larry Campbell got it. Ivan Neville. All these cats came down Mm -hmm. with hard, really hard, like 103 temperature for like two weeks. I was like, I could not.
3: And that's when you don't know what's going on either. Yeah. Like, no info. What there test. was
2: nothing. There was.
1: Yeah. Mine was, was a two day or like my wife, we weren't even sure cause they weren't testing, you yeah. know, unless you had really, unless you were really bad, yeah. they were like, They're keep it bad. moving. Yeah. They were yeah. being overwhelmed. So it wasn't until my wife lost her sense of smell. She mm. was cleaning the tub out with bleach and we thought it was it, but we didn't, you know, we couldn't get tested. And that's and such a
3: bizarre symptom.
1: Yeah. And then she was like, normally she could barely do it. And she was like, hey, man, this is – And later done. on, we got antibody tests. But it was really – it was only like a two-day thing for Jess mm-hmm. and I. I've had many other flus that were much worse. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got lucky, you know, honestly.
2: I, I remember being at uh, Sirius XM Studios right in Midtown and uh, – Looking through the windows, we sent one of the the uh, folks that hung out at the radio show down to one of the rite aids to get a digital thermometer so we could like you know check our. And she said that people were like buying as many as they could of everything and scattering, and we're looking at like people shutting off lights, packing up their desks, and like leaving. And we're sitting there, kind of going like, we take a commercial break, and we're like, should we? be like getting the hell out of here, you know? And, and uh, I remember I had to do my very last spot at the comedy cellar and it was, I held the microphone and they sprayed it with Lysol. And we put a little, the thing you put over like the, a half a lemon, you know, like to keep it in the fridge, the little half. Yeah. Yeah. And we put those on the mics and then drop the microphone in a bucket and walk out and I got in my car, I felt like I held my breath for three hours. You know, I ran to Queens, grab what I needed and then ran up. My wife's a nurse practitioner. So mm-hmm. I kind of just wanted to make sure I got to her before. Like there was room, like they were going to close state borders down mm-hmm. and you know, you weren't going to be able to get home and all that. And it was, no. that was like the, you didn't know what was, it was like a, you know, twister or something, oh, you know, yeah, like you're running were... from this tornado of, of fear. Yeah. there were, so you they were... were you trying
3: to, to tell me to get 90 days worth of medication and like half my medication, I can't get more than 30 days where They're like, no, they're all, and, they're, and, and so just creating that fear, you know, which is not necessarily legitimate, but you just don't know. And then yeah, the unknown it's a, del- I mean, I had a surgery that it delayed, I guess, three months, but you know, everything, you know, I, I, I love that whatever is right. You just make, Right. Right. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to like it, but it's we roll with it. And that's what I'm curious what you guys, especially I mean, I think with both you with you guys in the performance industry, like what do you even anticipate for you all? Because I've always worked with performance in, in the return, not just like getting back on stage, but. What it'll feel. I think of my son who went was with a group of people who thought it was so loud because he had because he still does virtual school because of my situation and he so like it was the first time he'd been around like ten or fifteen people and thought it was loud because he had not been in a cafeteria or a classroom or so like what do you guys even anticipate in regards to your your own first experiences huh. and, it, and does that also then like become the meditation itself again.
1: Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with more on Comes a Time. Well, I mean. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at
4: SmartWool. For more than 25 years, SmartWool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com.
2: Smartwool. Go far, feel good. If you want to go first, I, I, I'm back. I started. Right. <laughs> so it's been weird. And I, I, I avoided, I said no to a lot of stuff. Because I wasn't vaccinated. And I decided that once I got vaccinated, and again, I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a, a very proud I don't know it all. I, I ask my wife what is real and I say, Is it okay? I ask her like she's my mother. I'm like, Can I go do stand-up comedy now? And she's like, Yes, you can. Just wash your hands. And uh then I started putting out my, you know so before New York city opened, I did a weekend in Providence, Rhode Island, and it was uh limited capacity. And, um, I kind of, it, it was very exciting to see other comics mm-hmm. and to see the owners of the club and the staff that they still have their jobs. And these were people that I've known my whole career. And that was something that was like, you know, the, the people, that's a club that I started at early and, you know, so it was really nice to be able to go do that. And I treated it like I have it. I still treat life like I have COVID just for other people. Yeah. And because uh, there's enough people treating it like it's not real to balance out the equation. You know what I mean? So um, but then New York opened and the the comedy cellar and all these other rooms opened. And it was I've been going down to the West Village and it's kind of like like a like spring Mm break-ish where New York's back. And, you know, I took, I walked by Washington square park down NYU and it was like jamming, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and some people have masks, some don't. Um, But it was to see the staff and to see them smiling and to see the rooms full of fans and to see my, you know, friends who I haven't seen in a year. um, That felt amazing. Mm getting on stage felt very weird. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, you know, it's, you kind of got to blow the dust off, I think a little bit. And also I don't know what the crowds are looking for right now. You know what I mean? I think everybody's just happy to look across the room and see other people and be like, cool, this is maybe somewhat normal again or something, but um, like you and like Eric, <laughs> we can't wait for, this guy's job to come back, you know. We want O'Teal to, you know. I'm ready to 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 ball my eyes out in the crowd right. and and scream and yell and and you know, that's what I'm excited about. So comedy's back and it's fun, but it's yeah. still to me even performing. There's nothing like being at a concert. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's for me. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've, I really wanted a break. Like, I I've I really related to what you said about the acoustic thing, because a, a long time ago, uh, and God, this had to be, I guess, almost, well, I could say exactly, because uh, Nigel is six. So maybe six years ago, um, or it's seven, I started feeling very uh, – Like things were just too loud and too hectic and whatever, you know. I would spend two months every year or six weeks in New York. Two weeks after I was there, I was like, I got to get out of here. It's too crowded. It's too loud. I'd walk out and just put earplugs in. And when uh, my wife moved to Africa, first year we were married, and I picked up her banjo, and the banjo completely – Retuned me because I had been saying the band's too loud. I was in inner ear. Mar- Why does ever? Re- I thought, God, am I just getting old and being wimpy? You know. And then that when I started playing banjo, I was like, No, it's not me. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. Everything is just like ah, mm-hmm. you know. And here's where nature is, like right yep. here, yep. with where this acoustic guitar, banjo, whatever is. So I've been craving what the pandemic gave me <laughs> time off and mm-hmm. just stopped everything. So everybody could see like, this is crazy. Yeah. Man, it's not this right. is fucking crazy, man. How to live. What are we doing? And I, and I was always pulling, you know, like I want to be home more. I hate the road. And people were just like, Oh man, you know, and I left TTB and people thought I was crazy. I was like, I <laughs> just, you know, and then, you know, I didn't want, All this devastation to happen, but I think like since it stopped everything, Mm -hmm. I think uh, a lot of people started to become more aware of like how I was naturally feeling anyway. Yeah, you know, and uh, so I'm not uh, looking forward to going back to that. I have no intention of being that driven. I was like, all this embrace the hustle. It's bullshit. This they're brainwashing us to like, you know what I mean. And and we can't help it because if you got a family to feed and you got a job and you're like, you're just like, you're just being pushed, push, 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 push. And yeah. You go along. And, yeah. You know, at some point, just because I got older, when I hit fifty, I was like, okay. I started to become more like thinking about my death. I was like, half of my. Sands in my hourglass are now on the bottom, and I'm watching them go. So every bit of time you're taking – or I'm giving you, like I say, you're taking it from me, but I'm taking from my kids. I'm taking from my wife. I'm taking from being sane, <laughs> you know, like the mm, road, not natural. Taking yeah. it from yourself, yeah. It's not natural, and I work with all these guys, and I see how they ended up. I mean, that's I sat on the Almond Brothers bus. <laughs> God you know, 15 years ago being like, this is how you're going to end up if you just go along with this well, program, you know?
3: It's similar in sports. What's so interesting is the similarities in sports are, are all there. It's just hidden because they're athletes and they're not – like, they're, it's, it's hidden in their wellness. and And so – the, they, they come out on the court looking fine or on the field and fine, but they also like when, when, you know, when you get done with a gig, you hop on the bus and you go home no matter how far our home is well, or to the next show. And that's the same thing with uh, traveling teams. They're not, they yeah. don't be around. They get, they, they're gone. And same with coaches and that's, you know, everyone is certainly acknowledging the loss and the devastation of the past year. But I do hear a common theme of, a collection of sane folk that is admitting, you know, that, yes, this was too fast. And I like sports were too fast and too much, even for just kids. Like as, as a kid yeah. gets interested in sports, all of a sudden it has to turn into travel and you have to do this, that and the other, you can't just play games anymore.
2: No. So it's no. like, how
3: do we reel it all back? And it's all right here for us to do,
1: you know, yeah. I had a friend. Oh, you go ahead. Mike. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's fine. I was guess a a really good friend of mine, Played football for Ole Miss. Hmm. Now he um, had a bunch of CTEs when he was hmm. young, and he started having problems. Major, it cost him everything: marriage, job, the whole nine. And finally, one of these doctors that knew something—he he was in that movie, whatever the movie was in, but oh, it was no. about. But he was like, "League of you, Denial." He's like, "Do you have you?" Ever had like, I mean, you played football. You know how how many concussions you've had. He was like starting when like junior high school. Yeah, you know. So all this to say, you know, he's he has a son, that's a beautiful boy, and his son. This guy also plays bass, and that's how I met him. Mm. He was a bass student of mine, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> his son's big tall like him beautiful boy but he also is into bass right. and so he went to his son and he was like you know man if you don't want to play football like i'm totally cool with that and his son was just like Whew, thank mm-hmm. god man because i really don't want to yeah. like, i would much rather play bass You know, to see him just like totally reassess the whole thing, be like, you know, and just to offer that up and what a relief it was for his son. You know, you want to please your old man. He probably likes football, but he doesn't want to get on that train. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because it doesn't stop.
2: No. You know, and it just
1: eats and and it will chew you up and then you're done. And when you're done with your career, they're on to the next guy. Like LeBron is, you know, me and my wife ran to Dr. J and I freaked out. I was like, that's tough. (laughs) <laughs> she has no idea who he is, you know. But it's like so once sports is done with you, you're just done. Mm-hmm. You you don't even exist anymore. So like you yeah. gave up everything for that's you that's know, that's, like, that's
2: so um, and that yeah. Uh, you know what's funny is that you know, my wife has always been the most supportive person. I presented her with the idea of living separate to follow our careers and she was like, cool with it. So that I mean that's how supportive she's been and after the pandemic and com- I, I said to her I'm like are you cool with me going back into it because it's been a you know I'm not at the I'm at the ARU part of my story O'Teal. you know what Man, I mean like I'm not a little at bit ad-
1: higher than that okay sure <laughs> we fine. were Thank starving you. bro
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right maybe a little you're little a higher. writer on a successful show <laughs> okay all right whatever I'm about to meet the Almond Brothers okay but um <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> My point is, is that, you know, (laughs) with with my people aren't banging down my door to get me on their stage. Okay, so a lot of it is the grind and a lot of it is constantly it's addiction to stress. Mm -hmm. It's putting in availability and waiting for a reply. And your happiness and your success hinges upon the booker and you are constantly waiting and waiting and waiting. And I would be texting her on days I'm supposed to hear about my, you know, dates for the next week or month or couple months. And it's, it was a stressor for me and it was a heavy one for her too. Cause she was there to kind of talk me through it. And I said to her after the pandemic, I was for 10, 11 years and, um, I said to her, you know, what's your thoughts on me going back to stand up if it, if it opens up? And I meant more COVID wise. Mm. Like, do I put a microphone near my face? And she's like, you know, I just don't <coughs> want you to go through all the anxiety that you went through the past 10 years of like, you know, when I would look at the calendar, if there were 28 days filled, I only saw the three or four that were empty. You know mm. what I mean? And I had to fill them mm-hmm. or else I failed. Mm -hmm. And, and she was kind of like, I just, I don't want you to have to go back to that level. And I, and I thought highly about, I've extremely, I value her opinion extremely medical or not. And uh, for her to say that made me kind of like, and then all the talks that we've had, it kind of iced the cake where it was just like, I, and, and I do have to say, I mean, I'm, I'm going back pretty heavy at the moment but i do see my i i i it's with a different air you know what i mean it doesn't have that my my happiness doesn't hinge upon every set you got or a, every a little momentum right now you know right now i i'm excited but it's like it's just having,
0: having the engine
2: a, yeah but it's okay that I, every now and then i'll i'll take a night off driving you know yeah, what i mean yeah, it, yeah. but it's it's that thing of n- acknowledging our addictions to stress yeah. And acknowledging the, the that the hustle is now driving, and I'm in the back seat tied up instead of yeah, you know. I started saying on stage last year like I'm living my dream, and it's a nightmare, you know, <laughs> because it's like where did I where did I lose this? This is why I quit the corporate thing. This is why I quit everything else was because I wanted to be working for myself. Now I'm working for a hundred bosses across the country. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just. Right. It's fucking nuts, man.
1: You know what happened to me? I was listening to some podcast or something, and this guy was describing the stress that he goes through like leading up to a performance. Mm. Now, for me, I'm like Greg Allman. I always get really nervous. In fact, he was way worse than me, and it never went away. And all mine manifests in my stomach. So, I just like feel like I got a shit. Yeah, totally. You know, just like I ate yep. something, feels like I ate something bad or whatever. That's just what. So, as I'm listening to this, my stomach, it's like Pavlov's dog. My mm-hmm. stomach starts doing because I'm like going through my steps of when, and I can always tell when I, what time a show is. If it varies, does it matter? Because about two hours before, my stomach starts to. Mm-hmm clench Mm. like that and then all of a sudden I'm in the full thing and I went I don't fucking miss this (laughs) at all so you know one side of me if I was a normal person would be like oh yeah your chops are down you used to have this you know like you're not used Mm -hmm. to it anymore and I was like I don't want to be used to it Yeah, yeah, ever again do I want now I also have to balance the other side of that seesaw with I have a much greater appreciation now, because when music becomes your career, then it just it does something very unsacred to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So now I've reattached with how much people need it. I kind of got back because of uh, my guitar player friend and teacher to like where I feel about music. Like when I was seventeen, just Mm -hmm. up late. Working on stuff. So now I'm like, okay, it's worth going through that stress for the sacred part, mm-hmm. but not the daily grind part. For yeah. what? Like for money. So if I have more money, that's more time away from my kids. You mm-hmm. know, which do you want more? Right. right. So, yeah. 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 But yeah. it was weird, like listening to that podcast and then having that experience completely now in my happy place. Mm. And being able to A, B, like you were right back then. You weren't crazy. You're like, I don't like this. It's not natural.
2: (laughs) Alex, have you ever listened to the podcast Tremendous Upside? No. So unfortunately, it's only about six or seven episodes. I really wish and hope that uh, Shamika Holdsclaw is the host. Mm -hmm. And she's a Hall of Fame WNBA player. And she interviews athletes professional athletes about their bouts with crit- the self-criticism, anxiety, performance, anxiety, the hustle, like everything we're talking about. And, you know, the substance abuse, mm-hmm. the constant beating yourself up, the loss of family because of the career and all of that. And she's very open about her depression and her, you know, self-criticism. And, uh, but it, you and the hilarious of impression is another phenomenal podcast that John Moe hosts where you hear from comedians, actors, actresses, musicians, and it's uh, just normalizes these. It, it, it Once you realize that you're not alone in this, it's like, oh, my God. It's like when, when I started comedy, it was like a world within a world.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's like a pack of I, like these people get me. Holy shit. Like they've been around all this time. Like I finally found my, you know, my, my yep. pack. And when you hear these folks, like I'm a, i I've grew up playing sports. I love, I'm a, I love sports. I love what it, it does to you, you know, and, uh, to hear, you know, some of the most talented athletes in the hall of famers talking about how they were always scared that they were going to lose their job or they were always scared they were going to get old. Or they were always scared that they weren't going to be as sharp as they were the day before, or whatever. And you know, everything was going to go on without them. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting, you know. And, and it and
3: goes back to what you said, O'Toole, and that you you lose the sanctity in it, right? The yeah, because we used to do it second. for fun. Yeah, right. so it all changes. It so does when you do good.
1: it for inspiration. Yeah, like all these things that used to be. Uh, if I didn't do it as, if I didn't do it right that time. But that's okay, because I'm getting close. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it would be a source of something good, yeah. and then it all gets flipped. All gets you flipped. You know, like, I, I I follow all these people that – I don't consider myself like a socialist, but like, so I guess all the people that I follow <laughs> are social. They just rail against capitalism. Like, well, capitalism is not bad, you know? But I have to – I'm really starting to wonder now if just where we landed on it is just bad. Because it yeah. flips all these things, no matter what, it, whether it's creative or not.
2: Yeah, yes. totally. It, you know? Well, the, you know what it is? It's the, it's the definition of, and Bob Weir said it perfectly in the other one documentary about the Grateful Dead, where he said, we wanted to sidestep fame
1: yeah.
2: and be successful. And that's that thing of like, we all have to have, I mean, every single one of us, every single day has to have a definition of success for that day, especially now because everything's changing every day. You know, like for me right now, the definition of success is getting through the day without watching the news. Like if I go to bed without the, and I go, cool, I made it a day without the news. Fantastic. Like that's success. Let's see if I can make it too, you know? And, and it's, 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 right now it's getting up and remembering the jokes and the order they used to be in and the pauses I would take when before it was like, Gotta get an hour ready. I gotta get a tight, clean five for Fallon, or or you know Conan or whatever. I gotta get it, you know, an agent that's gonna book me more. And and it's like, the day the pandemic started, I looked back at all that and was like, who the fuck? What? Why was that? Really?
3: And and every and I'm finding, and I don't talk to everyone in the world, but everyone in kind of the gig industry of our culture, all of them. Are saying the same thing. So, how do we, but, but not on a, on a, like, let's stop this level. It, we're all talking about it. We're all about to go swimming in it again.
1: Yeah. I wonder, see, oh. but I, I think I'm going to tell you, I've, I've talked to a bunch of musician friends and they really are like, uh, <laughs> they're not going, they're, they're like, I'm not going to do that the same way. Yeah. that I think the, uh, if there's one gift, the pandemic, if we could say it's just a for sure upside, and we'll see, it's snapping that embrace the hustle. Yes. That like, I, I'm all for that, like, at the certain point in your life. Like, there was a point in my early 20s mm-hmm. when we were just grinding it out, and that's what you do. That's the the tilling the field part, Yeah, yeah. right? And that's what you do when you're young and strong. But just to go on and on and on, decade after decade. But at least sports, it has to end kind of quick. Mm -hmm. With music, you know, I'm still playing college bars. Right. You know, when I'm not with the Almond Brothers, I'm with my band. Yeah. And now you're the old guy at the club. (laughs) You're still drinking, and I'm like, well, I'm just drinking. These guys are still doing blow and fucking. You know, this guy just died. And You know, it's just like, what are we doing? I really right. think COVID might have snapped that for the older, you know, for some of the older people, at least, you know, like well, 30, you know, and, late 30s on up. Yeah, you know, and you, you, know, st-
2: you know what it was with comedy, too, is that whenever I wanted to stop and catch my breath, I was always reminded that right behind me is a line 100 miles long of comics that want the gigs that I have. And that would keep me running. You know what I mean? Like that would constantly keep me running because it's like the second you quit or the second you take a break, someone's going to sneak around and get that spot. But I had a fear of saying no.
1: I had that uh, for different reasons, but I had it. What
2: were you going to say, Eric? There's a study that said about 30% of the workforce that's working from home now will not return to an office. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That's that's. Definitely- that's- it's huge Absolutely. That's huge. That's really significant. And I would that, love
2: to know how much of that is centered around the tri-state area and uh right. you know, like that that commuting in and out of New York City is a large number. Well of think those about people.
1: everybody in LA, mm-hmm. San Francisco, Chicago, York, like every place with traffic. They're like, Yeah. Yeah, I, know. Uh, if, I'm I if if business is going, <laughs> we could keep it going like this. Cause I mean you just can't. We had to stop, man. We really did. Mm-hmm. Well I don't Alex, know whether nature or God or whatever, but yeah, we had to stop. No,
3: I, I think this is, as you guys have talked about, it's the Earth's immune system right now, something's, something's slamming the brakes on for us.
2: Yep. Now, I mean, you kind of had to you had that moment of, of coming to a realization that we all kind of like, you know, on a, on a very minute level with the pandemic had to deal with. But when you came to that, when you walked out of that doctor's appointment, when the doctor said, kind of, you know, it's, it's a terminal thing and and maybe a year and all of that. I mean, how did you make like for everyone that's listening that will one day, you know, go through that, what can you recommend that helped you as a coach, as a teacher of mindfulness, as a meditation teacher, when you had to put it all into practice, um, what helped the most, you know, I, first I'll say my wife because (laughs) as, as,
3: uh, hard as cancer is for the person experiencing it, it's a million times worse in my opinion for the caretaker, I believe. Um, Cause it's like being the parent in the stand of a little league game. You're in the stand. You can't do as much. Right. So you feel all the anxiety while the kid's playing, or in my case, if I feel like shit and I'm asleep, she still has to keep the house going, you know? And, and so I would say that first of all, but from, and, and with that, you know, she's trained in yoga certification and has an understanding of presence and what occurs uh, allowing to what occurred to kind of bubble up and pass as we were talking before. So if, if right now means we're going to sit together and cry for the next 10 minutes, we, we don't schedule it. We don't say, Hey, it's seven i I'm to cry. But if, if something just hits us and we both know when it's one of us or both of us or whatever, and we just sit with it, we know, and, and there doesn't need to be anything said there's silence or sometimes we talk through it out loud or sometimes it's music, whatever it may be. But I'd say that, that's a gift of uh, that she's allowed of where when of me where when I'm having a tough day, it doesn't compound itself because it's that notion of meditation like uh, you know a breeze through a screen door. like it, it yes, I do feel the breeze. The question is how long does it stay inside of me or does it pass right back through? So if there's a moment of angst or anxiety or whatever, which comes with you know the terminal diagnosis you experience those things but you also have to then let them go so there's a the the real trick's not ruminating but i'd say the biggest thing that we in the in with that being kind of like the foundation that's like the hum of the tape and the alan watts thing that's always going what i just said yeah yeah and then and then the higher part of that is we one thing that's kept us sane is and we say it all the time because you 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 think about not quitting as in oh i'm not gonna live i give up but like Man, there are already so many battles, and in any given day, let's just hunker down and ride it out just here. Or you go out and attack life. and you when you step away from being at a high school, the next thing you know you're at a division one basketball team, right? So it didn't like it decreased in time, but not intensity. I was like, whoa, it's just went to another level. Yeah. And so say yes to things where you can, but but give grace, most importantly, above all, where the bumps in the road occur. And then I think one kind of thing we've said often to one another is from the beginning, because we kept having what would be perceived as failures. Like you you, you say, you know, pre-COVID, hey, let's go out to dinner next week with so-and-so, uh, you know, it's either during my chemo or not. And then that night I feel like hell because cancer picks and chooses when it makes you feel bad. So what we focus on is we make plans but we have no expectations. And and I don't mean that in a negative sense. A lot of people, it's kind of like when you've mentioned your, you know, being meditating on death, not in a morbid way, but in a, in a awareness way of, of, you know, if we make plans, but let go of the expectation of it happening when it does happen, it's amazing. And when it doesn't happen, we didn't expect it to. And (laughs) sometimes we do cry, but then we're like, well, shit, we didn't really think that was going to happen. Yeah. And so we try what we can along the way, and the pandemic made that kind of double down on that effort. But yeah, we make we we keep putting things on the calendar, we keep making plans, and we let go of the expectations because sometimes actually the expectations we set are too low. And so when you let go of those, yeah.
2: things,
3: you get blown away because it's so much more.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
3: it's yeah, funny, really like true. all the
1: spiritual teachings they tell us, like just. That (laughs) to live that way, and it just takes, uh, it just takes something extreme sometimes. Just, I guess, it's just our human nature, it is, you know what I mean. We can't help it. I see it now that I have a child, yes. I'm like, well, yeah, that's how (laughs) he's gonna look at it right now until he has more experience. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it's, um, I wonder. And this may sound crazy to say, but, you know, when you get into a situation like that that's terminal, I have a, a, another friend who has cancer and he doesn't know. I mean, he's been having it for a long time, but it's a big battle daily. Mm-hmm. And um, but if we if we have talked about that, like the gift part of that, because like when you see this guy with his twin boys, I mean, it could just, it makes me cry because that, that that's the one thing that I would like to do right. Like, I don't give a shit about any of it. I want to be a good dad yeah. and a good husband. Yeah. You know, so when I don't scream at my kids, that's my victory yeah. for the day. But I see this guy with his kids and the way he lives every day because that, it's right up in his face. Mm-hmm. You know, and really that's, like you said, we're all terminal. We have this. We're letting ourselves have this illusion, like we know,
3: right? right. That
1: we have a long time. No,
3: no. We don't know that. Uh, -uh. and you say your kids grow fast. It's like we're forgetting ourselves. (laughs) Like, hey,
1: man, fast too. (laughs) You could outlive me easily. Mm -hmm. I'm one car crash. Who the fuck knows, man? Exactly. It's and so,
3: (laughs) what do you do about it? Like that the repetitive quite that's the repeated question across the course of the day that ultimately is the practice of the Bardos right mm. how you handle each moment of your day it doesn't mean be perfect, it means be aware, be present yeah. for it, and so that that allows you to be present for again that 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 big transition that we are That allows us when we bring it to the front of our mind we have such a clarity in our decision making
1: yeah mm. it 's the ram Das. Yeah, I mean when you were talking stoicism. about the be here now, it's like yeah. that's really it, man. That's all yeah. you've got. <laughs> like, well, it's, it's, do you ever read any I of the stoics?
2: That. What's that? Do you ever read any of the stoics? Like who? Seneca and Marcus Aurelius and um a lot of the, the old like the yeah. early, early. Wait, I read
3: Meditation um, yeah. a
2: long time ago, because just
3: I mean, had to with that and that name, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so but not as much of that stuff as more of the, the um, Eastern stuff. Okay. And, but it all, that what I, but what I enjoy most out of all of it is, like I said, Joseph Campbell's work where you just, he or anybody where you just keep reading all of this. Oh stuff
2: yeah. Yeah. You
3: consistently find the same thing over, like you said, all religions are telling us to do the things we're talking about. And we just keep fumbling this. And so it's like, Whatever faith you have, the instruction manual is the same. It's just the characters and the story changes a little bit. Yeah, totally. Oh,
1: when you think about it, all these ancient people, they had old people mm-hmm. and they had people that dealt with death. So they had the same clarity. Yes. You know, we think we've evolved so fucking much. I'm really not convinced of it because we, we certainly have it spiritually. Mm -mm. evolved because those ancients nailed it man but for those reasons like when when you get older and you could see oh that didn't matter this really mattered i watched that guy Uh, this guy's about to die what's he saying that matters now Mm -hmm. that he didn't think mattered as much you know before (laughs) i've heard a lot of the you know uh, therapists that I went to, they talked about people on their deathbed saying, "You know, I wish I had spent more time with my kids." Just like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. just hear it over yep. it, over and over again. So these things are you. You can get this clarity if you get to a certain age or in a certain circumstance. And uh, I've that's my thing is that's why we wanted to do the podcast to talk about that. Yeah. So we can hopefully shake ourselves up for each other and anybody else that happens to be within earshot.
2: Yeah, like you know, and the fact and, and and Alex, honestly, like the fact that you said that you were able to sleep to us talking. Oh
1: God, you have no. Idea. I
2: mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's literally the most beautiful thing ever. I mean, because I remember holding on to my phone like it was a pacifier when the pandemic hit, and my wife was like, you know, working a million hours at the hospital or whatever. And I found that and I listened to that Ram Das mm-hmm. and it was like the hiss of the tape. And I would like try to put myself in the room that he was mm-hmm. talking and what did the room smell like and who was sitting next to me. And then I'm out. That's it? And it was like, it's like he met me in some, you know, like it, he was there when I needed him. And, and the fact that you experience that same thing is so cool, man. When it goes back to hit,
3: we're all just walking each other home walking it's each different. other yeah. home I yeah. love that it's yeah. the same thing over and over
2: again and we're 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 so happy that you uh stopped by to say hi while walking yeah. home
3: well I appreciate it much
2: is, is there anything at all that we can and our listeners or anything uh <clears throat> you know anything we can do to help anything that we can you know any sites to support or any anything like that?
3: Uh, you're, you're kind to ask. I mean, if, if, if there is interest in that, I do have a group of group of friends who have started something called the PV project, which comes from my name, obviously. And then and but basically they uh, have taken what mindfulness is and trying to as both a mindfulness teacher and then also a basketball coach in basketball. What you do defensively is you help. Right. Like you help. And if I help you, someone needs to help me. And so on basketball, that's called helping the helper. So if I help you and you help me, that's helping the helper and we're all covered. And so I
1: love that. Yeah, that's the,
2: amazing. It's like the wounded healer. Hotel. Yes,
3: it's Chiron. It's the wounded healer. And it's and so the PV project, the intent here is what these guys are doing, who've gotten all kinds of training and certifications and who I taught the class with before I left the school just to um, focus on staying you know, healthy from cancer. Uh, they started this just recently they're just now getting a website up but the goal is you know they're gonna you know make money generate money by going into corporations and helping the corporate world become a little bit more uh higher levels of consciousness let's put it that way a little understanding and compassion and empathy including of the self and so that hopefully the decision making that comes out of those mirrors that for Mm. all and then from that uh they can generate the funds necessary to turn around and help the helper and the help the helper intention is at no cost, try to find the people in the community that fit that role. You know, if, if you're a, uh, whether in the front lines of, of COVID, or if you're at a NICU ward. both of our kids were preemies. And I think of the NICU nurses that are such angels that uh, took care of our kids. I think of like my wife. Um, but anyway, it's like, any firefighter whatever you can think of teachers right now you can go down the list of who is a helper that had to step up because someone else couldn't and what these guys want to do is provide mindfulness to them for just for free at, so that they can have those skills life skills for not only their own mental health but then to turn that around into it perform- forward at their own work, right? So if yeah,
2: the, I love this. if the
3: helpers are feeling better, mm-hmm. they'll then do the helping better. And it, it's just, so that's the goal there. But the, um so it's brand new and they don't even have a web, website up, but they have. uh
2: We'll, we'll do whatever we can they, to help you with that.
3: They do have a Venmo. Am I allowed to say that one? Sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I'll give,
2: <laughs> let's give them a tip on how to change the corporate mindfulness. Three words, dose the Keurig.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's all you have to do. That's
3: all you have to do. Cut right <laughs> in the case. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find it. It is at. It's at PV, like PV amps, which I'm not related to at all.
1: I was going to ask you oh. about that because my first hit was a PV.
3: Man, I wish I was. But <laughs> I you know. think one of my first was. I think um, mine was a, or a gorilla. Let's see, here it is. So it's at the PV project. That's all it is. All one word. At all right. the PV, like the amp.
2: V E Y. Cool. A
3: cool. Beautiful thing. V E
1: Y. Yeah.
2: I absolutely love that concept, man. And I'll mm-hmm. like that's that right up. <clears throat> yeah. Funny, that's I was beautiful. telling
1: my wife, I was like, you know, I like money. <laughs> I'm. I've never been an ambitious guy, but I, I don't chase it. It it seems to come to me more, you know, I'm obviously not rich, but I have more than I ever thought I would. But I was like, you know, I find myself envisioning myself being rich now because I want to help the helper. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was That's trying true. to explain it, but I couldn't explain yeah. it like that. You know, the value yeah. is in the experience of the action of the, just
3: in it, so, and, and, and the unknown dominoes that happen beyond that. Like, I love the saying in Zen that the seed never sees its flower. And that's where, like, you, there's mm-hmm. certain layers of this you see immediately. And then there are the layers that you just have faith that are occurring down
1: the line over and over and over. And they Amazing. are because seeds do sprout and they do flower and they do grow and they drop more seeds. And they go, you know.
2: The seeds never see the flower.
1: Yeah, man, that's what. Uh, that's why nature is always this metaphor. In remember the gardening for the teachings, you know, like
2: yeah, and for the presentation that the the keynote thing was all about the gardening and the
1: yeah, you know, I mean, it's uh, they're really if we could get past the semantics and the tribal baggage, oh, oh such beautiful gems. So but much. you know, you just have to be at a certain point in your life to see it. Also, mm-hmm. like you yeah, can't. you have to be
2: open to the soil, yeah. the nutrients.
1: Yeah, because I, I say it all the time: plants bloom when they bloom, and not one second before. So that every person is going to see it when mm-hmm. they see it. It could be circumstance. It could be something that happens to them that puts pressure on it, and that brings clarity, or just a certain age and a time that you know of maturity. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, but you you plant the seed, you Johnny Appleseed, you throw it out there, so that when it does happen, you know,
2: spray and it, pray. It take hold. Yeah, yeah. It's it was a, planted I'll-
1: for me. It was planted for me, and I traced it back. Like when I had this awakening, I was like, okay, now where? Did, what made me do that? What made me reach out to mm-hmm. God or whatever it is, and And then I found out, I had even written a song and it said, All You Have to Do is Ask. And my mom said, Don't you remember that? I used to whisper that into your ear since you were a toddler. Holy cow. And I had written this song. like Initially, it was instrumental in my 20s. And then when I found God, I put these lyrics to it. So, that's in my 40s from a seed planted when I was a toddler that saved Mm. my life. (laughs) There you go, buddy. I would have no kids, no wife, probably might not even be alive, right? So, that's where I just go, okay, we got to plant these seeds. And so, that's the podcast. (laughs) Finally, I was (laughs) like, you know, I want a way to do this, you know, that's not the... The shiny thing that music is. Like you could take that, you know, there's these rare people like Stevie Wonder that get this fame and then they just have this heightened state of awareness and they can lead people like a prophet. But that wasn't my you know, the fame wasn't my lot in life or whatever. So now I'm like, Oh, it's the podcast, you know? And that and so just having you here on this, right. I just have no idea, man. Like, or Yeah, you do. You do have totally an idea.
2: You do totally know. You do have an idea. Thank you.
1: Yeah. What a gift you're giving us, you know, and it's, I'm, yeah, I'm glad we were able to give you something just from the bottom of our hearts. And it's, it's an nice to know honor, that man. it was, you know, received that way. No, so it's
3: received every time I look forward to it. So thank you guys for putting out what you do.
2: Stick around for a second, please. Don't go anywhere, but thank you everybody for listening. And, and, uh, you'll be hearing more about the, the PV project for sure. We're taking this and yeah, this is going to be big. Yeah. Thank you everybody. Goodbye. Osiris